mass layoffs in the mining sector could result in the West Coast losing a generation, as its young people are forced to look further afield for work. The region has a rich tradition of mining, but recent dramatic falls in the price of coal and a move by export markets toward greener energy means that tradition is under threat more than ever before. This week, Insight investigates whether time's up for mining and if the region is prepared for life after coal. The coal black dust sticks to the skin like a burnt pie crust. While mining has brought the West Coast jobs and prosperity, it's also brought hardship. Down in the Brunner Mine by Neil and Barbie Colquhoun commemorates New Zealand's worst mining disaster in 1896, when 65 men died at one of the first commercial coal mines to open on the West Coast. When things are tough, businesses have to consolidate and uh, go into a survival mode, and that is actually where most businesses now in the Buller area are very much in survival mode. Kathleen Reynolds runs one of the many mining-related businesses affected by the recently announced job losses in the Buller region. She's seen downturns before, but none as bad as this one. She remains confident mining has a future. But the Victoria University economist Jeff Bertram believes coal is very much in a sunset phase. Coal is on its way out. Coal use is going to have to come down quite radically. And that's going to be forced one way or another by the climate change and other pollution consequences of using coal. I'm Conan Young and for this insight I travel to the West Coast to find out what impact the loss of mining jobs is having and whether the good times will ever return. Could tourism be the next big thing for the region? The west coast, stretching almost the entire length of the South Island, from Karamea in the north to Fox Glacier in the south. It's home to some of the country's most spectacular scenery, from its wild coastline to its snowy peaks and ancient rainforests. It's also home to some of the country's largest stores of coal and gold, two resources the west coast has come to rely on. So it looks about 200 people are going to lose their jobs. People have been expecting this for a long time. It's just taken that bloody long. I won't be able to pay the mortgage. So, yeah, it will be pretty serious. But we'll see. There's no um, no definite yet about what, who, who is being... No-one's been told anything about who stays and who goes yet. So, yeah, we'll just have to see. The announcement in early June that 187 jobs were to go at Solid Energy's Stockton mine wasn't entirely unexpected, but was still a blow when it came to workers and to the nearby town of Westport. Solid Energy's new chief executive, Dan Clifford, has been brought in to rescue a company saddled with $400 million worth of debt. He says a plummeting coal price means the mine is losing $130,000 a day and he had no option but to lay off a third of those working there. We just can't sustain the, those losses. The, the mine cannot sustain it, nor can solid energy, and it would have ended up in closure. Dan Clifford says there are no guarantees there won't be further cuts at the country's largest open-cast coal mine if the coal price doesn't pick up soon. He gave an ominous answer when asked when he expected to see the price rise to a level where workers could be rehired. You're making an assumption the coal price will come back. The West Coast Mines organiser for the Engineering, Printing and Manufacturing Union, Garth Elliott, 
himself a former miner, says there's anger amongst his members about the mismanagement of solid energy, which they blame for the situation it now finds itself in. Mining is boom and bust. It always has been. It has been for years. And, and when you go into mining, you've, you've got to accept that to a, to a certain point. Um, but this situation for solid energy is a little bit different. Um, yep, there's a, there's a downturn at the moment and, and coal prices and so forth and businesses sort of bouncing along the bottom at the moment. But normally a prudent company know that it's boom and bust and they put something away for a rainy day. Um, solid energy has been caught with its pants down and they haven't put anything away for a rainy day. Actually, they've dug a hole. Standing on the Deniston Plateau, just north of Westport, 500 metres above sea level. If I look west, I can see the Buller coastline stretching out before me quite spectacularly. If I look behind me, I can see uh, a lot of scrub, quite a barren area. Also signs of the uh, old Deniston coal mine. Once New Zealand's largest producer of coal, it was in the late 1800s, a mine that supported two towns made up of 1,500 people in total. It's here that uh, Bathurst Resources wants to resume mining. In fact, they want to open what would be New Zealand's second largest open cast coal mine. At least that was the plan until the price of coal recently took quite a dive. Coal prices today are about 112, 113. Um, they peaked at 300 odd uh, a few years ago. They've come down pretty rapidly to where they are today. This is seen as a low. Bathurst Resources Chief Executive Hamish Bohannon says the low price makes a full-scale operation unviable and it could now be up to three years before the mine hits full production. The 200 jobs the mine was going to provide for Westport were seen as a lifeline after the layoffs at Stockton and News Wholesome Cement is due to leave town in 2016, taking with it 120 jobs. Hamish Bohannon says there are two main drivers for the low price of the hot coking coal found beneath the Deniston Plateau that is so prized by overseas steel mills. Most of the rapid increase in demand was driven by China. China has slowed down slightly, it's still growing at quite a rate, uh, but it needs to catch up. So uh, steel production has flattened there. Uh, but equally, Australia has been pumping out, and Australia is the big source of metallurgical coal for steel. It produces about 60% of the global exports. It's been pumping out large volumes from its Queensland and New South Wales mines, and it's put the market in imbalance. Hamish Bohannon says his New Zealand-listed but majority Australian-owned company will continue preparing the plateau for mining so it can hit the ground running once the coal price lifts enough to make the full-scale operation viable. A sound that'll creep through a minor soul. The news of job losses couldn't have come at a worse time for businesses in Westport. I'm James Rusbatch. I'm a contractor in... Uh, run the hire centre in rental cars. James Rusbatch's business is one of many in the region that gets a large amount of work from the mining sector. He's lived in Westport for 46 years and has never seen a downturn this significant. Just now we've had to downsize like everybody else. So we, we had 15 staff in total, now we're down to about seven. Some of them have been here for years, you know. It's hard just to say, say we haven't got a job, haven't got to work. James Rusbatch is another who believes solid energy overextended itself when the price was good and wasn't prepared when prices started to drop. 
you know, we've had the dentist of mine closed down uh, many years ago, and that was bad enough, but uh, I think it was just too good to be true. You know, the bubbles burst. His thoughts are echoed by Tom Gray, who runs a printing business in Westport that supplies stationery to Solid Energy. He's experienced a 75% reduction in the amount of work coming through in the past year. Most of us are only working a couple of days or stretching it out, working the available hours that are there. Fortunately, we're not carrying any debt. We own the building, so you know the rent's not a problem, um, unlike so many others in town that, that aren't going to make it through this, I don't think. Tom Gray has been in business more than 40 years and says while he's seen slumps in the local economy before, this one feels different. Three years ago there were 1,200 people, for example, working on Stockton and those 1,200 people were spending their wages in town and every retailer in the town were getting a piece of the cake. You know, the coffee shops are always full, the clubs and organisations and groups, um, the schools are always full to capacity, everybody's enjoying it. And now when we're operating on a third of that, the same volume of people that are employed up there, all of a sudden everybody's hurting. Kathleen Reynolds' engineering business is another feeling the pain. She's already had to scale back her workforce from 20 to 12. and says the latest series of layoffs could have a long-term impact on the region. Our youth leaving school are not going to find work in this area. They're going to have to go away from Westport to find that. And of course we'll go back to where we were before, where we become an older town. Making ends meet has all of a sudden got a lot harder for the people who end up on the doorstep of Pip Anscombe, an advisor with Buller Budget Advisory Services. She's experienced a doubling in the number of referrals to her organisation in the past five years and says filing for bankruptcy is often the only option for people who lose high-paying mining jobs. She also believes Westport could be about to lose a generation of young people. It is a bit depressing. It leaves you wondering whether the community will hold together. We have a reasonable amount of retirees here, so they will generally stay. And we have, unfortunately, a number of young couples or young people that are directly affected by the mine. So they may take themselves and their proposed family away from the area. And they probably, even if they're locals, probably won't come back until there's something for them. The potential loss of younger people is a real worry for the principal of Buller High, Andrew Basher. He says up to half of his role of 360 students are from mining families. In previous years, of course, a lot of students have left school and got jobs up the hill. And uh, until two years ago, they would come to the school and interview our students and take apprentices. And uh, there are some of those apprentices up there now. So until fairly recently, it was seen as a very viable career. I think they'd be thinking twice now. Andrew Basher says it's too soon to say what impact the latest round of layoffs will have, but he's already looking at getting help for teachers so they can support students from struggling families. For many of the families, the school's probably the one safe communal place that the kids can go and, and get away from maybe the stress and strains of a household. Uh, we like to think we're a very positive environment. We're, you know, we're very focused on achievement and success. And while all, all around us may be feeling a bit down, we, we owe it to our kids and our community to make sure that we keep it positive and success oriented. Well, that's the picture in Westport, where the full impact of the latest series of job cuts has yet to be seen. I'm heading further south now to Greymouth, a 
town that's had to cope with the tragic deaths of 29 men at the Pike River Mine and the mine's subsequent closure in 2010 in which 114 men lost their jobs. Two years later, Solid Energy closed the nearby Spring Creek Mine, one of Greymouth's biggest employers, as it began a long period of winding down its operations in the face of rising debt and a plummeting coal price. For Hamish Curry, who owns a homeware store in Greymouth, the last 18 months have been tough. He opened his store in mid-2012. Two months later, Solid Energy announced it was closing Spring Creek. He says things have yet to pick up. Talking to other business owners, is they're in the same boat as us, pretty slow, and I guess we're just hoping that we'll get through the winter and things will start to pick up from there. I'm standing in the middle of Greymouth in perhaps the busiest part of town. As I look around me, I can see one, two, three stores with four lease signs up on the window. Stores completely empty where it looks like the business hasn't been done for quite some time. I spoke to one of the 300 workers laid off from the Spring Creek mine, Trevor Balderson. He says now that the redundancy checks have started to run out, Greymouth is doing it tough. If you cast your mind back to the campaign to save Spring Creek and the in the march which which came about through town, I think you could see just how much the town knew what was at stake, and it's quite sad. That now you see shops boarded up, businesses going out of uh, work, and everything what we predicted almost two years ago has certainly come to the fruition. Over a cup of coffee, I talked to Trevor Balderson, one of a number of miners who uplifted their lives and moved to Greymouth after a promise of work at Spring Creek. And that's the one of the big things which sort of cut deep at the time of me, and all the promises what went with it. You know, come to New Zealand, uh, enjoy a, a better way of life, and five years after I was on the industrial scrappy. He knows of some men who face redundancy for a second time in two years, having moved from Spring Creek to Stockton for work. His own move to Greymouth was necessitated by a mining downturn in Yorkshire. Despite the rough ride he's experienced as a miner, Trevor Balderson says it's still a job he loves. It is and always will be the best job in the world. I loved going to work and the person, if you get into trouble, the best person you can have is the guy standing next to you who will go through hell and high water to make sure that you come home safe. His current job as a clerk at the district court is a million miles from his former role as a leading hand at Spring Creek. One lesson which I've learned out of all this is I'd never say never. Because life deals you a set of cards and you've got to play those cards as you see fit and it's not always going to be what you want, uh, as most of us have found out. Another former Spring Creek miner who's found himself in a place he never thought he'd end up is Daryl Sweetman. He's left his young family behind in Greymouth and is headed to the Yukon in Canada, close to the Arctic Circle, to work for a gold buying company. Insight spoke to him over the phone from his new workplace just outside Dawson City. There's bear tracks out on the road last night when I went for a run. seen bear track tracks, so I didn't really run too far after that. Last year, one poked his head in the door. <laughs> Had a wee look and left again. So she's pretty wild. 
The Arctic winter means he can only work in the Yukon during the summer months. This is his second season there, and he says having to spend five and a half months away from his family has been tough, especially missing out on seeing his one-year-old son grow up. But he says the job situation in his hometown of Greymouth meant he had no option but to leave. I had to, really. When the wife didn't want to lose the house, so we had to sort of make our minds up pretty quick and well, it sort of happened. I tried to get a job and the last time I was home, but there's just nothing out there, there's nothing. They reckon the recession's over in Greymouth, well... Some of these MPs really want to come down to the West Coast and have a good look. It's not over by a long shot. As a fourth-generation coaster, Daryl Sweetman hopes to stay in the region long term, but says the chances of this happening are getting slimmer every day. Once a coaster, always a coaster. <clears throat> it's a great place to live, but with the mines shutting, it's just it's slowly dying. <sighs> I think if we lose the um, Westport mine... The coast is in serious trouble. A cave will give us a shutdown day And that'll never make a mine I caught up with the Grey District Mayor, Tony Cockshorn, at the airport just before he took time out for an overseas holiday. He estimates his region lost at least 500 mining jobs over the past three years. We're a town of 10,000 people and 500 high-paying jobs, which are really double the average wage, have gone. So a lot of those miners picked up and went to Australia at the time. A lot of them found work in the Christchurch rebuild, but not as many as we anticipated. A lot of them stayed on the coast in hope of solid energy opening the mines again. That hasn't happened yet. It is on the horizon, some work, but albeit it will be a lot less than what it was in the past. So it's had a massive impact, loss of confidence. People have closed up their purses and we are struggling on the coast at the moment. But Tony Cockshorn says the Grey District is better placed to weather the latest downturn in the mining sector than ever before. It's more sustainable and I think that's the key to the future for us. Sustainability, we are slowly weaning ourselves away from coal, moving into farming, tourism, manufacturing, fishing, a lot of other industries. So if someone had said to you uh, 10 years ago, look, 10 years from now you'd only have 70 workers in the Grey District on the coal face, I would have said, well, we might as well lock up and go. But we are still hanging in there. However, the Victoria University economist, Jeff Bertram, says the West Coast is still overly reliant on mining. Dr Bertram has written extensively on the energy sector and its impact on climate change. He says the mining sector is unlikely to experience a resurgence as the countries New Zealand exports to, including China, start to phase out the use of coal and power generation in order to get on top of climate change. He says years of delay in taking action on global warming means the opportunity for a smooth transition away from coal has been lost. Once climate change begins to bed in seriously, uh, I think what we're going to see is radical and probably not very well judged policy initiatives coming forward that are going to be much more disruptive than otherwise would have been the case. That means that industries like coal will take a much bigger, sharper, more abrupt hit than would have been the case if we'd had a price on carbon and markets had already been well adjusted. Jeff Bertram says the move away from coal and generating electricity could flow through to lower prices for the hard coking coal used to make steel, the type of coal the West Coast is famous for. At the moment, an awful lot of potentially 
coke and coal is being burned for other purposes. And as the electricity sector particularly moves out of coal, it's going to be the case that the potentially steel-making coal market becomes flooded with coal being diverted from simply being burnt for energy generation. He says more than 100 years of mining on the West Coast has been of minimal benefit to the region and most of the money it generates has flowed to other parts of the country or offshore. Chief Bertram says the latest downturn in mining could be terminal. If you've lived in a boom-bust economy, <laughs> as long-established businesses in the West Coast will have, then uh, yes, you always are sitting there waiting for the next boom to come around. Around the world, ghost towns are easy to find where the boom didn't come and eventually everything died off. I don't think the West Coast is faced with, it, with, it, with that sort of complete failure, but I would be cautious in expecting the next boom to be just around the corner. I think if, if there is indeed another boom coming for the West Coast, it's some distance away and I doubt that it'll be in coal mining. The other thing the West Coast is famous for, apart from mining, is its scenery. The pull of its ancient rainforests and mountain glaciers helped it record 1.2 million guest nights in the last year from domestic and international tourists who spent $300 million in the region and helped employ 2,300 people. So could tourism be the next big thing on the West Coast? After the Christchurch earthquakes, obviously that had a major impact on the West Coast and other South Island regions. Obviously we had the global financial crisis uh, which impacted on Germany and the United States. But that's all come back again now, so Germany's right back up. Uh, we're getting huge growth out of China and Southeast Asia. The Australian market's firm, the American market's coming back, and uh, the UK market's still pretty flat. But all in all, um, our operators are reporting a much better season than they've had for some time. Speaking while at a tourism conference, the chief executive of Tourism West Coast, Jim Little, described the region as the quiet achiever of the tourism scene. One of the statistics a lot of people don't actually realise is that in terms of international holiday guest nights, the West Coast ranks number five out of 30 regions in New Zealand. So you've got Auckland number one, Queenstown number two, Christchurch number three, Rotorua number four and we're number five. Okay, so um, you'll see here we've got a whole range of bikes, but the main thing... Paul Schramm, who hires cycles for the recently opened West Coast Cycle Trail from Greymouth to Ross, thinks the potential is certainly there. Tourism has a really good economic benefit because it's money that comes directly from overseas. It goes around and round in our communities about six times, so that generates quite a few jobs. So... If you pay me to rent our bikes or to guide you out on the trail, the money that you give me, I will spend some of it at the supermarket. I'll also use it at the local engineering company and they'll do some repair work on the bikes. Those guys will then go and spend some of it. All right. So you've placed me, uh, I'm heading uphill here, but I'm sure I can handle it. <laughs> what? Hill? What? You call us a hill? So um, you can see there's a very low grade. We call this about a grade one. So it's just a slight rise going up to Kamara. And you can look right up in the distance. You can see how the uh, tram line went through the trees. So these are pretty much exactly the same trees that were here in the late 1800s. 
Okay, yeah, well, let's go. I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> okay, so I'm sort of reliving a bit of uh, history here. Apparently, this used to be the line that old gold miners would use. They'd take our wagons from uh, Greymouth and hook them up to trains and, and, and use these trains to cart some of their uh, gear for their own gold mines all the way up to the Kamara area. And uh, this was obviously done without the knowledge of New Zealand Rail and was known as the Ghost Train. The Cycle Trail opened this year and is one of a number around the country championed by the government as a way of revitalising the tourist trade for the small towns it passes through. It stretches 140 kilometres and traverses historical goldfields, wild coastline and tall stands of Rimu on its way to the town of Ross. Now Ross is a gold mining town where the gold rush is still happening and uh, go into the Empire Hotel and you step back into the 1860s. They used to have a bell hanging down from the roof above the bar there and the bell used to go up through the roof and it used to be attached to the bed springs of the bed in the honeymoon suite. When the bell used to ring, everybody downstairs would clap and stamp on the floor to accompany the ringing of the bell. G'day there. How are you? Hi, how are you doing? Is the owner around? Here. Um, Kerry Fitzgibbon and uh, we have the Theatre Royal Hotel which is based in Kamara. Kerry Fitzgibbon is one of 12 accommodation providers that have set up to provide cycle trail visitors with a place to stay and dine during the four days it takes to complete the trip. With her partner, she restored the once derelict 140-year-old Royal Hotel and now employs 16 staff. Often on the West Coast, there is so much negativity because we're going through these huge sadnesses of mining closing down, and that's a very, very real thing. But I think sometimes we need to try to focus very much on the things that we do have that perhaps we're not using to their full potential. We're very close to Christchurch, we're two and a half hours and it is one of the most beautiful highways in the world. Let's get people coming over. Kerry Fitzgibbon says the West Coast is full of untapped potential. I feel bursting with ideas and tourism is a very, very big part of that. You know, we have the most marvellous fishing, we have the most marvellous kayaking, we've got gold panning everywhere, we've got hunting everywhere, we've got scenic flights from areas other than the glaciers. All of these things have potential for people to get behind. Kerry Fitzgibbon says the next year will be crucial to businesses such as hers that need to see a return on the investment they've made. Down in the I'm Conan Young and that's Insight for this week. If you would like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send us a tweet at rnz underscore insight. That programme was written and presented by Conan Young. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production from Mark Chesterman and Steve Burridge.